You are listening to the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc. Morning, church. So glad you're all here this morning. As I was worshiping, just um, my mind was being reminded of testimonies of healing that I've just been um, informed of just this past week. An individual in our life group, the Lord healed of vertigo and migraines, and going on three weeks now, so praise the Lord for that. Another individual who had uh, struggled with sleepless nights, and uh, we prayed We prayed for her that she'd struggle, she's struggling with anxiety and, and whatnot, and it's now gone gone on two and a half weeks with sleeping through the night and whatnot, and the Lord cares about those things. And when Jesus came, he came and he expressed the kingdom of God through both his words and his deeds. And he said, you go and do likewise. <laughs> My followers will do these things. These, these signs and wonders will follow those that believe. And so we have a mandate upon us as the church of Jesus Christ to walk in the supernatural and believe for the supernatural. Even when you don't see it around you, you contend and you believe in faith that God is still a God of the miraculous. Amen? And so I just felt compelled during, during worship that we should pray for anybody in the house this morning that's struggling with sleepless nights. Is there anybody that'd be bold enough to say that, that they're struggling with sleepless nights? I'm gonna pray for, for you this morning. Is there anybody? Awesome. Will you stand to your feet? We're gonna pray right now. Thank you. Yeah, stand up. Lord, right now, these precious children of God, you're touching with the peace of Jesus. It surpasses understanding. Peace upon their minds and their hearts. The kingdom that you brought was a kingdom of peace and of life, of joy. Lord, just like the calm, the calm that you bring in the midst of the storm, we pray you'd bring upon this daughter of the king upon this son right now, in the name of Jesus, just peace upon his mind and his heart, that Lord, tonight he'd sleep to the night in the name of Jesus. Amen. We expect testimonies. Tonight, you're gonna sleep to the night. I believe it. Tonight's the night. That can be so frustrating. Um, is there anybody else that has any needs in their bodies? That you'd want to receive prayer this morning. Yeah, would you stand up? Let's pray for, for Miss Rhonda. Anybody else has a need in their body? Yeah, awesome. Go ahead and stand, Joe. Let's extend our hands towards these individuals. Yeah, Lord, right now we pray healing in the name of Jesus. It's your will. Your children receive the bread. You call this the children's bread is healing. So you declare to the Syrophoenician lady. So we just declare that right now, that they'd receive this this reward, this gift, this grace that was purchased through the, through the cross. And by your stripes, we are healed. And so I speak that right now upon Julie in the name of Jesus, healing her, Lord, of any food insensitivities and um, allergies, any of those things, Lord, right now in the name of Jesus. You know, Lord, you're rewiring and you're healing and making whole upon Joe right now in the name of Jesus, healing right now. Lord, you know what's going on. So we pray, Lord, through the sufficiency of the cross, Lord, you touch his body right now upon Miss Rhonda right now. Touch her body, God. From the top of her head to the sole of her feet, touch her in the name of Jesus. Ms. Olga, right now we pray healing upon her right now. By your stripes she is healed. In the name of Jesus, amen. 
Let's give God a huge shout. We worship you, God. King Jesus, we worship you, Lord. You're worthy, God. You're worthy. Hallelujah. God is so good. You know, when we meet together, you might as well go after it. Like, what's the point of playing games, you know? Um, I could be doing a lot of other things, but we might as well go after it and believe God for the impossible if we're going to gather together, right? So this morning, we're going to continue this series of Prince from the Ashes, which we started last week based on Psalm 113, that he lifts us, that lifts the needy from the ashes and places us with princes. It's that description of the extravagant love of God the psalmist wrote millennia ago, centuries ago, that he lifts the needy from the ashes and places us with princes. The extravagant love of God. And I believe every individual needs to encounter the love of God for themselves. And this morning, specifically, we're going to talk about the love of the Father. God has revealed himself as Father and a Son and as Holy Spirit. We can't perfectly understand what God is like, but that's the revelation that he gave to us, that he is Father, that he is Son, and that he is Holy Spirit. We begin to try to wrap our minds around a God who's revealed in three persons. You get tangled up pretty quick, but that's what he's given us. Again, we humble ourselves as children of God. Say, God, we want you, we want to know you in your fullness. And so in the love of the Father, we want to understand uh, there's an identity hidden there. Purchased identity through the cross that's available to each and every person here this morning. I want you to receive it. I want you to know it for yourself. I want you to grow in your understanding of the love of the Father. A few years ago, I had the opportunity to be coached by Miss Joyce Schroeder, who is a, a Chi Alpha legend, 40 plus years, her and her husband have mentored and coached and discipled students, college students and college pastors from across the country for 40 plus years from the mountains of Bozeman, Montana. And it's just an amazing couple. And I had the invitation to, to go and be coached by her. And I was uh, so honored to sit at her feet and learn from her. And so I came to her, you know, prepared with my issues, and my crises that I wanted to unpack, the decisions that I was facing but I realized very quickly that this encounter with this, with this wise woman, that God was using it not so much to, to solve the crises or the decisions, you know, come to clear answers on the decisions, but instead to minister to my heart in a deeper way with the love of God. That there was a deeper way. Those things were peripheral. There was something deeper that God wanted in my heart of hearts. And there was many things that she deposited into my life, but, but one thing that stuck with me this is we were dealing with some issues in, in my life, talking through these issues. She said this, that anytime I sense insecurity, I can know that I've reached the end of my understanding of the love of God. Anytime I sense insecurity, I'm in insecure ground, I'm questioning everything about me and how God's created me and whatnot, I can know that I've reached my, the end of my understanding of the love of God. And in that moment, it becomes an invitation then to know God and his love in a greater way. And I've realized that that principle applies to all the disconnects, the cracks in my foundation, the gaps between my faith and my experience that I encounter in my life, that principle of, of an invitation to know the love of God in a greater way. Every time I, I find myself on, on insecure ground, on, on unsure ground, I can know that there's an invitation there for me to press in and know the love of God in a greater way. And so one dimension of the love of God that I want us to begin to unpack is the love of the Father. It's a call for you and I to know who we are as children of God. 
It's one of our core identities in the gospel that Christ purchased for us is our identity as a child of God, our gospel identity. This really, this piece of our identity speaks to our origin story. Jesus said, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born again. So you're born again, and now you need to familiarize yourself with your new origin story. You maybe have a set of parents, you, you know where you came from geographically, socioeconomically, but now there's a new story being written over your life, and you need to encounter your new origin story. You know, the, the question of origin story, where, where did I come from? That's the, that's the main plot of you know, thousands of books and, and movies. It's the, it's the Luke, I am your father moment. The origin story, who am I? Where did I come from? Well, as a Christ follower, you need to grow in your understanding of now whose you are. You have a father who created you, brought you into this world, and he is more than enough. He wants you to know his love. So let's look at Genesis chapter one. We're gonna look at a lot of scripture this morning. So you can try to keep up uh, thumbing around either on your phone or your, or your physical Bible, but it will be on the screen. Genesis chapter one, the first you know, account, creation account, there's another account in Genesis chapter two. But God creates humanity, he creates Adam, he says this in verse 26. And we, we see all three persons of the Trinity in the creation story. We see the Holy Spirit brooding over the waters in John chapter 1. We, we hear that the Son is also present there in creation. But the Father is, the, is really the main um, player interacting with humanity with his highest creation in Genesis 20, or chapter 1, verse 26, it says this, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. We see that God has created you and I as different than the rest of creation, not like the fish of the sea or the, the mammals that, that creep across the earth, but he's set us apart as different in the fact that you and I bear a resemblance of divinity, of the divine, not that we are little gods or many gods or will ever, ever amount to that, but there is a reflection of the divine within us as image bearers. He says, let us make humanity, let us make man in our likeness. So at the most basic level, we see our father as our procreator, as our creator God. The one who brings us into this world, just like a father and a mother would bring about offspring into this world, God did that for us. He brought us into this world. He chose by his willful choice, his sovereign wisdom, he chose to bring us into this world. He is our procreator. We also see here in the garden two other aspects of God's fatherly love. One is his provision. To place within, uh, with, with, uh, us within a garden of which there is sustenance, there's provision for us. He places us with dominion over the animals to provide sustenance for us and life and energy. And then secondly, he provides protection for us. 
You know how the story goes in Genesis chapter three, that the Lord sets aside us, he sets us in a, in a, in a garden to, to bring order and to have dominion over the garden. But he says, don't, don't, touch, don't touch the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There's a protector uh, aspect of God's love revealed right from the very beginning. And so then you know how the story goes in Genesis chapter three. Chapter three. Quickly, humanity takes things into their own hands and they, they choose to, to believe the lie that we're better self-providers and better self-protectors than God is for us. So we choose to take things into our own hands and things go awry very quickly. The curse is initiated and we're cast out of the garden, removed from God's protection and his provision. And I believe this is a moment in which we all need to find ourselves in the story. That we all chose that path of rebellion. We all chose to be self-protectors and self-providers. We all believed that lie that we could do it better on our own. That God's character should be questioned in that most basic way. And we need to realize that we find ourselves in a mess outside of God's protection and his provision. It reminds me of the story in Luke chapter 15. I mean, one of the most iconic pictures of God's fatherly love. Luke chapter 15, the story of the lost son, the prodigal son, or the parable of the two sons, a lot of different titles for the story. But Jesus tells the story of, of a younger son who essentially you know, disowns his father and says, I want my inheritance early and I'm, I'm leaving. He goes and he squanders the inheritance. You know the story. But there's this moment in the story, this, this point where he, he finally comes to, he finally realizes the error of his way, right? It took him a long time to realize that, that rebellion and the, the path of that, the trajectory of that rebellion. And he finds himself in a pit with pigs. Luke chapter 15 Verse 15, it says, So he went, he hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. All the money had ran out. All of his friends had deserted him because he couldn't buy them things. You know, he couldn't keep them happy. So he was all alone. So all he could find was a, was a job feeding pigs. Verse 16, and he was longing to be fed with the paws that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything. It had gotten that bad. And he was craving the very food for pigs. He was finally beginning to realize how, how dire his situation had gotten. He was finally beginning to smell his own stink. And that's the, the moment we all need to realize. We need to acknowledge the mess that we've wandered into. You know, Psalm 113 says he lifts us from the ashes and he places us with, with princes. The King James Version actually says that he lifts the needy from the dunghill and he places them with princes. There is a real stink to our mess that we need to begin to realize. We need to begin to uh, acknowledge the trajectory, the ripple effect of the mess of our own rebellion. It's there that we be, begin to be positioned to then understand to a greater level the love of God over our lives. This is actually the method that God uh, uses to convince Israel of his extravagant love for them. He wants them first to understand the, the result of their own rebellion. In the, in the book of Hosea, 
It's a crazy book, but I encourage you to check it out for yourself. Hosea, God speaks to Hosea and commands him to marry a prostitute. He says, I want to, I want to win my, my children back. This is the heart of a father wanting to win his children back. He says, I want to win them back. I want to demonstrate to them my covenantal love with them. So I want you to go marry a prostitute. I want to illustrate before the children of Israel my, my unfailing love for them. So that's what Hosea does. He's obedient. This, this prostitute you know, continues to go after other men, just like Israel was doing. Rebellion, turning their hearts away from God, trying to be their own protectors, their own providers. But it's in that place when we open our eyes and acknowledge the mess that we found ourselves in, acknowledge the dunghill that we found ourselves in, that we can begin to actually receive the love of God. This is what God speaks to Hosea in Hosea chapter two, verse 14. He says, but then I will win her back once again. I will lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her there. I will return her vineyards to her and transform the valley of trouble into a gateway of hope. She will give, her, give herself to me there as she did long ago when she was young, when I freed her from her captivity in Egypt. It's in that place, in the valley of trouble, in the desert, that we can, be, we can begin to realize God's extravagant love for us. And that's the place where he turns it into the, into the gateway of hope. That's the place where he begins to restore to us the vineyards of blessing and reward of living under his protection and under his provision. So that's where we start. We start by acknowledging the mess that we've wandered into. And we all need to come to that place for ourselves, that we all willfully turned our backs on God. And it's there that God begins to woo our hearts. We begin to open up our hearts to the mercy and the grace of God. And that's what happened for the younger son in Luke chapter 15, he had that moment where he came to his senses. He said, perhaps, perhaps God will have mercy on me. But it took first for him to admit the error of his own ways, his own mess. But the revelation of the perfect love of the Father is one of the most assuring revelations a person can have. That's why I'm so passionate about, about it for you, each and every single person here this morning. It's one of the most assuring revelations that can be spoken over your life is this revelation of the love of the Father. A good and perfect and unfailing Father. He's patient. I don't know what your father has been like. Some people are blessed with really good fathers. Some are blessed with really bad fathers. But regardless of your father experience, you have a perfect father. That is your new origin story. You have an unfailing, patient, generous father who's more than enough, who is protector, provider. And yes, he brought you into this world. He's procreator. So in a world of uncertainties, there is one thing that is certain. It's the love of the father who never fails. Our world is growing with uncertainty, more and more uncertainties and anxiety and, and shaking that comes. But you can know this, there is one who is certain. It's your heavenly father who is unfailing. It's reminded of the story of Moses in the wilderness. You know, Moses was born into destiny. He was born in Egyptian royalty. It's like God had positioned him at the youngest of ages in a place to be an influencer and to, to be a man that turns the tide for Israel, right? You guys are familiar with the story. Born into Egyptian royalty. Well, at the age of 40, he, he 
does what we, we all do, takes things into his own hands, and he ends up murdering a man out of vengeful anger. And he ends up essentially exiling himself into the Midianite wilderness with his father-in-law, Jethro. For another 40 years, 40 more years, he's 80 years of age. So it doesn't matter how old you are in the house this morning, God has a purpose upon your life. He wants to use you. 80 years of age, and he has an encounter with his heavenly father. So just picture yourself being like Moses, rejected, forgotten, alone, like, you know, you know the certain destiny or positions of affluence and influence God had put you in earlier, but now you're all alone. Assuming this is your, your, the rest, you know, this is your, your lot in life until the day you die. But he has an encounter with the love of the Father. And how does God reveal himself to Moses? He reveals him to himself to Moses as the I am. He says, you're uncertain about all these things. So I want you to know I am. I'm the most important present reality for you, Moses. I am who I am. I am that I am. I am. That's what you need to know, Moses. I am. You don't know what was. You don't know what's going to be. I am. I am the most pressing and present reality that matters. The most important present reality that matters over your life. It's like James chapter one. What James tells the believers scattered about Asia. He says, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. And these are believers that are experiencing trial and tribulation and difficulties, longing for wisdom from from God. And he says this, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought brought us forth by the word of truth that that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. He points them to the certainty of the Father who there's no variation, there's no shadow, there's no changing. I am. That's the most important thing spoken over your life as a child of God is that present reality of the I am, of your Father, your unfailing Father. So who is this perfect Father? I want you this morning to know him as provider and protector and procreator. Yes, the giver of life. He is all those things. I want us to unpack that a little bit more. Because I want, I want you to know that your perfect, perfect heavenly father sees you this morning. No matter what you're walking through, doesn't matter what you're facing, in your rejection, in your loneliness, in your uncertainty, in your anxiety, in your fear, in your loneliness, he sees you this morning. So what does it mean that he is our provider? We saw a glimpse of it in Genesis chapter one, but it's a continual theme throughout scripture, heavenly father as our provider. And Jesus, one of his highest mandates was to reveal what the father is like. He's like, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. In Matthew chapter six, this is what he says to us. He says, and why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon, all of his glory, was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. And do these things not dominate the thoughts of still this generation? But he says, but your heavenly father already knows all of your needs. 
You should just say that. Every time you have those, those restless, just anxious thoughts, worrisome thoughts, See, doesn't my heavenly father already know I need those things? Don't let those things dominate your thoughts. Seek, verse 33, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. We see in our heavenly father's provider, he's so faithful. He's faithful today. He was faithful yesterday to get you today. And he's going to be faithful tomorrow for tomorrow. So you don't have to worry. He is faithful. He's unfailing. We see that in the Hosea story, but we see it also in the new covenant. Even in material things, he is faithful. He takes care of his children. If he takes care of the lilies of the field, if he, clothes, uh, if he takes care of the sparrows, he's going to take care of you. So he is faithful. Secondly, he's also generous. He's our provider. He's not stingy with his kids. He, he gives his kids what they need. And he's a generous father. So we need to ask. Matthew chapter 7, Jesus tells us that very thing. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and, no one, or, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? And the Luke version says, give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. Your heavenly Father knows, therefore ask. That is, that is the nature of children is to ask their parents for things, right? I live in a house with four kids, I know. They ask me for things. They don't even think twice about it, they ask. I don't give them everything they ask for. But I know when they need something, I give it to them. Because I love them. So this, this is, the, this is the, like the indicator for us. When we don't ask, I want you to know that you're doing it again. You're doing what we did back in the garden. We're taking things into our own hands. When we don't ask, we're doing it again. We're taking our own protection, our own provision into our own hands. We think we can do it better on our own. We think we can... We can take care of ourselves. That's that orphan spirit, the things we have to look out for ourselves. When in actuality, you have a heavenly father who is much better at it than, than you are. So children, they ask their parents for things. So ask your heavenly father. I believe our confidence to ask reveals our confidence in the character of God. If we don't ask, it's, it's a revelation of our, our lack of confidence that he truly is faithful and generous that he truly is our provider. So ask, because he wants to reveal himself, that aspect of his love to you, that he is your provider. Secondly, he is our protector. He's our protector. And if he's our protector, that means he defends us. He is our refuge and our fortress. He defends us from the enemy. He's not gonna let the enemy come in and sabotage you beyond what you can bear. John chapter 10 Jesus says it like this, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. I and the father are one. He came to reveal the father and he says, no one's gonna allow the, the, you to be snatched out of the father's hand. The father is your protector 
God says it like this in Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. Don't be afraid, for I'm with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. He is your defender. He's your protector. Second aspect of him being our protector is he's our sustainer. He gives us sufficient grace to see us through. Whatever you're going to face today or tomorrow, he is more than enough. It's actually a theme we're going to press into uh, in the future is the fact that he is enough. It's so good for you to speak that over your life. He is enough. He is your sustainer. It's in your weakness that he is made strong. First Peter chapter five says this, and after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, this is your heavenly father. He's the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever, amen. All those things, restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. Because he is your sustainer. That is your heavenly father. He is your protector. And the third aspect that I I mentioned from Genesis chapter one, the the heavenly father has revealed himself to us as is our procreator. And that's something we can't really run too far from. We can run from God being our protector and our provider, but we know we have breath in our lungs and we didn't bring ourselves into this world. So we know we can't run too far from that. But there's times that we do act like we know a lot more than we do. And we, we shirk that reality that God is the creator of all things. And that means you and I as well. So we need to acknowledge that God is our procreator and, and receive that love that comes from that, that acknowledgement as children of God, that he is the procreator, creator of all things, which means he's our, the giver of life. There's an epic story of this revelation coming to Job. It's, I mean, the oldest story in the Bible. You know, Job is a difficult book to unpack. I mean, I encourage you to, to make your way through it at some point in your walk with Christ. It's a difficult book where, where Job is really going through hell on earth, suffering in so many uh, unimaginable ways. And he begins to question the character of God, question the character of his father. He, has, he doesn't have uh, the most helpful of friends either. There's a moment, there's a dialogue towards the end of, of Job where, where he and God go back and forth. But there's four chapters in a row where God just lets him have it. Job chapter 38 through 41. God essentially says, hey, were you there when I, when I brought the, the world into existence? Were you there when I formed the mountains? And eventually Job comes to his senses to acknowledge this in Job chapter 42, verse two, he says this, and I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand. Don't we do that sometimes? We, we start to talk beyond really what we, we know. And then God gently, as a, as a good father does, he, he humbles us. And that's the moment that came to Job. I have uttered what I do not understand. Things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Hear and I will speak. I will question you and you make it known to me. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear and now my eye sees you. 
Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. That place where he finally comes and repents and acknowledges that God and God alone is the giver of life. Put breath in my lungs. He brought me into this world. It's just good for us to acknowledge that place and receive the love of a father that puts you here by choice. You're not an accident. You know, in families, sometimes you can joke about a child being a whoops kid, but in the, in the kingdom, there is no whoops. There's no, there's no accident. God puts you here on purpose, and he alone is the giver of life. And secondly, I'm asking the worship team to come forward. He is sovereign. God is our procreator, your creator of all things, our heavenly father. He is sovereign over all. You can rest assured that God sees all, knows all, and anything is possible with God. And David makes this beautiful declaration in 1 Chronicles chapter 29. He says, blessed are you, O Lord, the God of Israel, our father forever and ever. That's one of the most thorough descriptions of what God is like to the, to the nation of Israel is their father. It's what he often refers to them as children because he is their father forever and ever. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come from you and you rule over all. In your hand are power and might and in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. And now we thank you, our God, and praise your glorious name because he is sovereign. That's who your heavenly father is. He's above all. If you'd all stand to your feet, I want us to respond to the love of the father this morning. You have an invitation this morning to trust the character of the father. He's making himself known to you in a greater way. In the book, uh, Ragamuffin Gospel, there's this quote, it says, define yourself radically as beloved by God. God's love for and his choice constitute your worth. Accept that and let it become the most important thing in your life. That's why I say the love of the Father is one of the, one of the most assuring revelations that a person can encounter. It's the love of the Father over your life as a child of God. Define yourself radically as that one, as, as one beloved by God. If you'd all close your eyes and bow your heads this morning, I want you to respond to the love of the Father. There are some here this morning that find themselves in a real mess. You found, you, you found that this morning you've wandered. like the the sun in Luke chapter 15, you're starting to smell your own stink from, from the mess that you've created, wandering away from God's protection and away from his provision. You want to open your heart up to the love of God in a fresh way. I want to give you an opportunity to respond to the Father. There's others in this place this morning, and this is me. You need and you want to know the love of the Father in a greater way over your life. You find yourself at times stepping out into insecure ground, shaky ground, and you realize you need a fresh encounter with the love of the Father. You need to know him in greater ways. And I want you to be able to respond to the Lord this morning. So if you're part of that first group and you'd say, Drew, 
I found myself in a mess. I need to turn to the Lord. I need to turn towards his grace. I need to run to the Father. Would you raise your hand? I want to pray with you this morning. Awesome. Thank you. Anybody else? Everyone needs to come to this place where you acknowledge the mess that you've made with your life. Anybody else? Awesome, thank you. You can put your hands down. Pray a prayer like this, Lord, this morning. I look around my life and I realize that I've made a mess out of it. Yeah, some is the result of other people's hurt and brokenness spilling over into me, but a lot of it's my own fault. And I will and I willingly choose to recognize my my own brokenness, my own willful, rebellious spirit that oftentimes shirks your uh, protection and provision, thinking I know what's best. I just acknowledge that before you this morning, Heavenly Father, the one who sees all and knows all. This morning, I'm choosing to step out of the the dunghill, out of the, the the pit and begin to run towards your mercy and your grace. I choose to turn to you this morning, no turning back. I'm turning to you, Heavenly Father, knowing that you are good and gracious and merciful. You're faithful, you're unfailing. I know I'm gonna encounter your love in that place. I wanna know you as my Heavenly Father. Your mighty name. Secondly, I want you right now to take a moment to respond to the Father. If you're feeling rejected, alone, uncertain, anxious, fearful, allow the Heavenly Father to come and minister to your heart. He wants to convince you of aspects of his character that maybe are have gone overlooked by you in the past or unknown to you in the past. He wants to reveal himself to you as provider, as protector. So Lord, I pray that you'd allow us to receive from you this morning fresh understanding of your love as our Father. Pray right now, the love of the Father, to wash over hearts and minds. Meeting people, Lord, in the desert in the valley of trouble and lifting them out up and, and transforming it into a gateway of hope. Lord, for the individuals who are like Moses and who are rejected and alone and feeling forgotten, I pray that they would have an encounter with the love of the Father that says, I am. That's what you need to know right now. Your Father declares to you that he is the I am the most important present reality, present truth over your life. This has been the LifePoint Church Sermon of the Week. For more resources, visit us at lifepoint.cc.